Jesus begins to talk to the believers about this issue of fasting and, and what it means. And, and uh, I'm real uncomfortable doing this because when I use my life as an example, when I look back at all the examples I've used, it's usually, well, it's all the time where I've fallen short. Uh, but today, I'm going to use some examples out of my life about the journey of fasting in my personal life, what it's meant to me, what it's meant to my wife. And so tonight's, today, this morning, is not going to be all mechanics, uh, though I'm going to give you a lot of information and help you understand. But it's also going to be very personal, just, just out of my life, of what fasting has done in my life. Because Jesus starts off this section of Scripture that we're going to look at, and he makes this statement. He says, hey, well, I don't know if he said hey, but that's... <laughs> Dude, <laughs> he starts off and he says, he says, when you fast, when you fast, in other words, it's normative for the believer to fast. He says, when you fast, not if, not because there's some crisis going on in your life or anything like that. He just simply said, you know what, when you fast. Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces. And here we go. Same thing with giving, same thing with prayer, now with fasting. Secret walk. He says, you know, the hypocrites, they disfigure themselves. They look more somber than they really are. They want everybody to ask, what's wrong with you? So they can say, I'm doing, going without food. That's what's wrong with me. And, and I'm doing it for God and to get the applause or the approval of men and this spiritual stuff. And so he says, so he goes on, for they disfigure their faces to, to show men what? To show men that they're fasting. I mean, they're doing it for men, in other words. I tell you the truth. Here we go again. They received their reward in full. I mean, you got your reward in full because it wasn't done for God. It was done for men. And so whatever approval you get out of or applause you get out of men, that's the only reward you get. And so he says, you've gotten your reward in full. But here he goes again. And remember, I've told you this in the Greek. Whenever the Greek says the same thing over and over. It's emphasis. It's almost like he's screaming. It's almost like the, the, the writer said, do not miss this. But when you fast, as a believer, do it differently. But when you fast, put, uh, put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, don't disfigure your face. Uh, don't disfigure yourself. Still put makeup on. Still put, uh, comb your hair. Still take showers. Do all that stuff so that it will be so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father, who is unseen. And your Father, here's a wonderful promise again, and your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, we know that Jesus fasted in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, before Jesus entered his earthly ministry. We have an account to where, where Jesus actually fasted. Here we go. Verse 1, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. God leads you into a, to a fast. If you understand that, God leads you out of a fast. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the mechanics of a fast. And so it says he's led into the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing important during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of God. Today, fasting is going away and, 
as a dis discipline, and I want you to understand a few things as we walk through this, is first off, I, I just want you to understand the different types of fasting. In Scripture, there's basically three types of fasting that we can find in Scripture. The first one is this. It's called the normal fast. Now, this would, it would be abstaining from any food, liquid or solid, but not water. Now, abstaining from food, liquid or solid, that would include no juicing, that would include no fruit juices, that would include no vegetable juices, that would be seen as a food, even though it's liquid, even though it's not solid, that would still be. So, so a normal fast is this, a normal fast is that you would, 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 would abstain from any food, solid or liquid, and, but, but not water. You would drink water. Now, this is a type of fast that Jesus was in. It was called the normal fast in Luke chapter 4. We know that because Scripture says, one, that Jesus ate nothing. So there's no recording. I mean, it said he ate nothing, but obviously he must have drank water. Also, that, that uh, when Satan came to tempt him, it said Jesus was hungry and Jesus tempted him. It didn't say Jesus was thirsty. If Jesus had gone without water then Satan more than likely would have tempted him with water because the body can only go without water for eight days, but it can go without food for weeks sometimes. And so the fast that Jesus was on was, was this, this normal fast, and the purpose of... In fact, is a, a fast just means this, to go without nourishment. There's all different ways to do that, but, but a fast is this. A fast is self-denial from nourishment. To a promised communion with God. Fasting is not trying to force God to do something. Fasting is not trying to change the circumstances. Listen, too long in my personal life, in my Christian life, my prayer life has been for God to change circumstances, situations. And I've been frustrated until through fasting God broke me and said, you know what, I've been asking all the wrong questions and all the wrong prayers. It should be, God, give me wisdom in how to deal with the circumstance, how to deal with the situation, how to deal with what's going on in my life. Now, now, now sleep, abstaining from sleep is never a part of a fast. fact is, your body needs sleep more than it needs water and more than it needs food. If, if sleep, abstaining from sleep was a part of fasting, then your sleep would break the fast. So you still, even all, during all different types of fasting, you still... Uh, sleep your normal sleep patterns here's the second thing is this the second type of a fast is this is an absolute fast now an absolute fast would be doing without food and water I mean it'd be it would be it's just a pure absolute fast to where you you abstain from any liquid uh, any water any food fact is when you look at scripture you find that most of the time this type of fast was a three-day fast People tell us that the body can only do without water for about eight days, and then bad stuff happens. And so Scripture says that, that most of the time that, uh, that, that, that it was a three-day absolute fast. And we see that all through Scriptures. Acts 9.9, 9, uh, Saul, on his way to the road to Damascus, said that he did without food and he did without water. Queen Esther when, when the Jews were going to be persecuted, and she found out about it from her uncle Mordecai, and Mordecai came to her and told her what was going to happen to the Jews. She was burdened. She was brokenhearted. And so she asked for Mordecai and all of her maidservants and herself, and they went into an absolute fast where she asked them, the Scripture says in Esther chapter uh, 4, verse 16, that she asked them to abstain from food and water for three days. It was a three-day fast. And, but 
There are some periods that people did an absolute fast in Scripture that were longer than three days. But that's when they were supernaturally ministered or given substance from God. Moses. Moses fasted for 40 days. Absolute fast. No food. No water. But he was in the presence of God. And we don't know how God met his physical needs. Do you realize it was in the period of fasting that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments? He was in a fast. It's communion with God to connect with God. Listen, you know, I told you earlier, it's, it's not my job to connect to God for you. It's my job as pastor to set up an environment and to teach you how to connect with God in a deep way, in a real way, so you know him personally. And he gives you his word and wisdom and all this other stuff. Moses absolute fast 40 days, got the Ten Commandments, came off the mountain. Remember, they had elected a new... Uh, leader and they had melted down their jewelry into golden calves and they're dancing around they're worshiping them and, and Moses goes like ballistic, remember that? And he grinds down the golden calves and puts the dust in water and makes them drink it and everything like that. And do you realize Moses went right back into another fast? Some believe that Moses fasted for 80 days because he went back into the presence of God. We know Elijah fasted an extended uh, absolute fast for more than 40 days. But God met his needs physically. The absolute fast was very common for three days in Scripture. It wasn't very common for anything longer than that, and it's a dangerous fast. Uh, the, the third thing is this, is, is a partial fast. That's where you would give up something. Uh, and there may be health reasons. Not everybody can do a normal fast. You could be diabetic. You could have health issues. You have sugar, you, all this stuff, and you need to be careful in this, but not everybody may be able to physically do a normal fast. And as a result of that in Scripture, there's something called a partial fast. Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. Daniel did without meat. I cannot believe that. <laughs> and, and he only ate fruits and vegetables for three weeks in his fast. Do you know something that's interesting? Daniel chapter 10, verse 7. When Daniel did that, he was the only one that saw the vision from the Lord. He's the only one that got insight from God. John the Baptist, partial fast. Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17, we see that, that, that he withheld some foods and he did a, a, a partial fast. And there are many different types, many different kinds of, of partial fast. John Wesley, the great preacher in the, uh, many years back, he would, when he would go into a fast, when he had a burden for his church or burden, burden for someone or prayer, he would go into a bread and water fast. And that's what he would do. And that was his way of connecting with God. And, and some of you, maybe because of health reasons or maybe even because of your profession, a partial fast is the only thing that you could do because you have to have a sharp mind or you have to have uh, energy or strength or or whatever and and diligence has to be given whenever you go into a partial fast and you you give up a meal let's say you give up a food or whatever diligence has to be that that you don't overeat one meal just to carry you through the next and, and here's the deal what most people struggle with in fasting they'll, they'll give up a meal and they'll replace it with busyness just add more stuff to your schedule fasting is to meet with God 
And so you would take that meal, for instance, if you decided to give up a meal and you'd take that lunch or breakfast or dinner, instead of putting more TV into your schedule or more activity or hobbies or whatever, the time that you normally would spend eating or preparing food would be spent with God, and whether it's through reading of Scripture or whether it's through prayer or whether it's through life journaling or, 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 or whatever. And so those are the three types of fast. The normal fast, the absolute fast, and then there's another fast, the partial fast. So, so here we go. The treasures of fasting, or what are the benefits of fasting? The first thing is, is this, it is good for my health. There are some medical people that teach that, that fasting is good for your health. It's good to fast for a 24-hour period every week because it, it releases toxins. Where Toxins are stored in the fat cells. And so it releases the toxins. It releases all the impurities in your body that it's good to give your body a rest. Some medical doctors even talk about fasting for a three-day period once or twice a year because it releases toxins that are in the fat cells. We know that it's good health-wise. We know that it, that it is good uh, physically or it's good for my health to go into a period of fasting. The second thing is this, it's beneficial for my self-discipline. We have become such a self-indulgent society that we don't withhold anything from the body. Anybody desires, any desire we have, we meet. Whether we can afford it or not, whether we can pay for it or not, that we have lived in such a society that you know what? We don't withhold. There's some people that go around and say, you know what, I live life. I just follow my heart. Listen, that's the most dangerous thing you can ever do. Scripture says this, the heart is deceitful and wicked. Man, if you live life, you see, fasting helps with self-discipline. When you understand that you can come to the point in life and that you can withhold things that you think you can't live without, and you realize you can. Listen, I fasted through my ministry. I fasted all day Monday. I had a, a season that every Monday I fasted for a 24-hour period uh, after uh, sundown on Sunday all the way around till, uh, till Monday. And it was spent just reading or, or, or whatever and prayer. And um, I've done a, a day fast. I've done a two-day fast. I've done three-day fast. I've done weeks. I've done a 40-day fast with my wife when we were burdened over Pueblo in 1997. And uh, it was in that 40-day fast. And I wouldn't recommend a 40-day fast unless you talk with a doctor and let them help you of things that you need to keep everything, you know, whatever, uh, during that time so it doesn't cause you any problems. And, and I'm just going to tell you, God broke me. God broke me in that 40-day fast. And it probably, for me, it probably took a 40-day fast. And that's when I learned my whole prayer life is about what God could do for me. And change this situation, change this person, change this stuff. A lot of whining and a lot of crying goes on. And God taught me in that fast that fasting is just to connect with God at a deeper level. Do you realize in that 40-day fast, I learned the scripture is true? Man does not live by bread alone. Some of you think you couldn't go a meal. But I'm telling you, we don't live on bread alone. But on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And that's why prayer and Bible reading, there has to be more to this. 
It's what Isaiah gave you earlier was telling the people, hey, when you worship me, you're just worshiping me with your hearts and your lips and your mouth. I mean, your mouth and your lips, but your hearts are far from me. I mean, you're just going, it's just something religious you do. And then you wonder why you're not close to God or God's not close to you. There's something about a fast that, because here's the deal. When you realize that you can break something that has such a hold on you, food or eating, because you know this, I mean, we're always thinking about what we're going to eat next. We can finish a meal and think about what we're going to eat next. And when you learn that food doesn't control your body any longer, then you can break addictions in your life. Those addictions in your life that you think rule you and that you think, no way I could ever break that in my life, man, I'm here to tell you you can. And fasting, fasting is what helps us connect with him and understand him at a deeper level. The third thing is this, it's useful to me emotionally. It, it helps to ground you. It helps to give you, an, it helps to give you a new perspective. It, it, Daniel could understand. I mean, Daniel, when he fasted the partial fast, he was the only one that got the, the wisdom from God. He's the only one that changed. He's the only one that saw the vision. He's the only one that got insight to God about, about how to handle it. Oftentimes during a time of fasting, God will give you insight into situations, into circumstances in your life. The fourth thing is this. It's advantageous to me spiritually. I mean, there is a huge spiritual benefit. Jesus said that. Jesus says, hey, whatever is done in, in, in secret, I will reward you. When you fast, when you pray, it was normative for the believers of their time to fast and pray. Listen, the first three days of a fast can be difficult, uh, especially depending on the level of fast that you do. Uh, if you're withdrawing from sugar and, and, and caffeine, then you know what? It can be really, really difficult. But I'm telling you, day four, something amazing happens. And your mind became, becomes so clear, your mind becomes so sharp, and you're, you're able to see things in Scripture that you've never been able to see. You're able to focus, and, and you have this awareness, because you have this awareness of God's presence, because every time there's a hunger pain, it's a reminder of God. Every time you have that desire to eat, there is a reminder of God and God's presence in your life. I mean, there is something, I mean, I don't know about you, but there's things I go through in life that if I don't get insight from God, I'm done. Listen, I've told you, I've been here since 1995, and guess what? I still don't know what I'm doing. And the moment I stand up and tell you that I know what I'm doing, you need to leave this church because God is no longer required. When we get to a place in life full of pride and full of arrogance to where we say, you know what, I know what I'm doing. You have no need of God in your life and you're on dangerous ground. We should live our lives in such a way that we understand. I don't know what I'm doing. Because if church, for instance, is done just in the flesh, then we will only have results in the flesh. In your life, if it is only done by flesh, you only have flesh. And God has 
God has done some special things in my life in this area. This is, this is so personal to me. I have to give you a bunch of information, but man, you just got to understand. Without fasting, I don't know where I'd be. Without connecting with God and hearing from Him, I don't know what decisions I'd make. See, Proverbs says, to guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. That word guard in the Hebrew means to tend to like a garden. If you ignore a garden, the weeds will overtake everything that is good, everything that gives fruit. And guess what? The same is true for your life. You tend your heart and you take out the weeds of life so as not kill everything that's productive and good in your life. And a fast many times is determined by a burden that an individual has. You may have a burden for a person. You may have a burden for a circumstance. You may have a burden for a situation. You may have a decision that you need to make in a, a career. You may have a decision that you need to make in life-changing issues. And so there's about seven different reasons or seven, seven different times why you go into fasting. The first one is this, is when God calls me. There are times that God calls me into a fast. There are some times I don't even know how long I'm going to fast. And that, that God will call you into a fast, and you find that. The two examples that I used earlier with Moses and Elijah, you find that, that God called them into a fast, and God called them out of the, out of the fast. The second one is this, is that when I'm broken over personal sin. Boy, there's so many of us now that we just think God winks at sin and it's just no big deal. It's just how I was raised. It's just how, that's just how I am and God has to deal with it and it's really no big deal. And we are no longer broken over personal sin. But there's a type of fast that we find in Scripture that people went into because they were broken over this issue of sin. They wanted to change some things in their life. Isaiah 7, 6 said this, when they had assembled at Mizpah, they drew water and poured it out before the Lord. I mean, it was an offering. It was an, they were in an absolute fast. And it was a short one. And on that day, they fasted and, and, and they confessed. Uh, we have sinned against the Lord. And, and Samuel was their leader. And Is, the Israelites were sinning against God. And, and at this time, they, they repented. And it was, it was a national fast. I mean, it would be like a whole church going into a fast or a whole community. Guess what? We've done that as Pueblo. I mean, city council, I think it was 97, 98, it's when we did our 40-day fast. Uh, city council voted in 40 days of prayer and fasting for the, for the city of Pueblo to break crime and strongholds and darkness and all this other stuff. It made the papers. I mean, there, there was a time, regardless of who did it or who not, Pueblo was called into a fast by city council. That's kind of a weird deal to even think about. But there are times that you can be broken over personal sin and you want to break something in your life, whether it's an addiction, whether it's an attitude, whether it's, whether, it's, whether it's a habit in your life. And there's something about this issue of fasting that when you realize that, you know what? If food doesn't rule my body, then other stuff in my life can't stand. Because I never would have thought I could go without food. It's used in a time to spend time with God in prayer where there's the periods that that you would normally be eating. 
Uh, here's, here's a third one, when I'm interceding for others. There's evidence of people that would fast because they were burdened for someone else. In fact, is someone else very close to them. And that they were, in fact, is the priest mourns of the unfaithfulness of his people. Watch this. Ezra 10.6, while he was there, he ate no food and drank no water, so he's in an absolute fast. It was short. It was three days. It was about on behalf of the people. And by the way, I've never done an absolute fast. Because he continued to mourn over the unfaithfulness of the exiles. I mean, their sin was such a burden to him that he mourned over them. And he interceded for them. And there's something about us that, that we've become a society that we're so isolated that, that no longer do we really, are we really burdened over the sins of another or the actions of another. And then guess what? If we are, they're the last person we talk to about that. We talk to everybody else about their lifestyle and where it's going to end up. I mean, out of love, if this afternoon, if leaving church, if you told me you were going to head up to, to Colorado Springs, and I knew, I knew the bridge was out and there was a bridge out and there were no signs and it, 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 it ended horribly for you, out of act of love, I would tell you, hey, listen, don't get on I-25. It's not going to end well for you. That's just an act of love. But we've gotten into a time to where, you know what, we believe that the Christian life is so isolated that we can't speak truth into anyone's life. But you don't see that here in Ezra. He, he fasted over their sins, and guess what? Then he confronted them. It is an act of love. If you do it with the right heart, if you do it with the right motives, that you go to someone and say, hey, listen, I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned about your choices. I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned where it's going to end up. Look at this, Ezra 10, 10 through 12. Then Ezra the priest stood up and said to them, you've been unfaithful. He didn't call them names. He didn't say turn or burn. He didn't judge them. See, he asked God for insight when he was fasting and what he should say. And he says, you've been unfaithful. And then let me just get really specific for you. You have married foreign women, adding to Israel's guilt. Now make confession to the Lord, the God of your fathers, and, and do his will. Separate yourselves from the people around you and from the for, your foreign wives. The whole assembly responded with a loud voice, we are right. We must do as you say. Sometimes when you intercede for others, the purpose of the fast is to know whether you should say something to them or not. Just because there's an offense doesn't mean there's an automatic rebuke. Need to under, there's timing. Uh, David, okay? Remember when David committed adultery with Bathsheba? God waited nine months before he sent Nathan to confront him. Nathan knew. Waited nine months. Part of fasting is not only interceding for others, but it's asking God for wisdom. Do I confront? When do I confront? How do I confront? How do I deal with this issue? There's another time that we fast, and that's when we're seeking an answer. Not, I, mean, I mean, when we're seeking an answer, we're seeking guidance. In the first year of his reign, Daniel 9, 2, and 4, I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures. So guess what was a part of fasting? Scriptures. How does God speak to you today? Through His Word. That's why we've got, listen, We've got so many people life journaling right now. 
I mean, it's unbelievable. We sold another 50 books between the, the two services. We got more out there at the information system, uh, information desk. Listen, if you're not doing life journaling, I'm just going to tell you, you're missing out. I mean, Sunday night wiped me out. We had about 150 people joining this room, and here's what we did. We just life journaled together, and then we opened up two floor mics, and Chad went back in to worship. And we let anyone that wanted to share a testimony come down and speak. I mean, if we believe the body speaks, then shouldn't we let the body speak? And I'm telling you what, the testimonies that were shared in this room, man, wipe me out. I'm getting emails. I'm getting phone calls from people that are doing life journaling and saying, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I'm finally able to take God's word and read it, and it speaks to me. i got husbands and wives that are talking about what it's meant in their life. I got families talking about it. We got, we got well over. We, our goal is to have 150 people life journaling. Fact is, our staff is required to do that. You, you can walk up to any pastor and you should you, do it. Just ask them, what's your verse? If they can't tell you, you come to me. <laughs> we'll get it straight. But, but you need to know, listen, you need to know that you're at a church where the pastors actually connect with God during the week and daily. And it's just not professional ministry. It's just not a business. It's just not a profession. But it's a ministry. And so one of the fasts is, is when we're seeking an answer from God. We, I do this all the time. According to the word given to Jeremiah, the prophet, the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So he got insight. So I turned to the Lord and God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. I pray the Lord of my God and I confessed. Here's a simple prayer. O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who, uh, who love him and obey his commands. And Daniel was seeking an answer from the, God, from, from the Lord. And there's times that you get answers in there. The, the fifth one is this, when I'm preparing for ministry. Listen, all through Scripture, I've never... Listen, this church was birthed out of prayer and fasting. We prayed through the phone book twice, name by name, before we ever launched this church, and then a few years later, we prayed name for name, even though someone... We didn't even know you guys when we started praying through the phone book. This church was birthed out of prayer and fasting and being able to connect with God... And all through Scripture, you see, before someone prepares for ministry, there was prayer and there was fasting. I really believe there'd be less problems in churches if churches would be willing to pray and fast for direction and choices. Who's their pastor? Who's their leaders? Who's their elders? It's so obvious. The sixth one is this, when I'm sending workers. You find that in chapter Acts, uh, all through Acts, Acts 13, 2 through 3, and then Acts 14, 23. You find that before they put people, before they sent out missionaries, before they, 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 they adopted elders, before they approved of elders or put elders in place or ordained elders, you would find that they would pray and they'd fast. The church would go into a time, a period of prayer and fasting. The fact is, you would sign that you'd see that the entire church fasted and prayed. And the last one is this, is when I'm burdened over a situation. I mean, when I'm burdened over a situation in life, that there would be a time that I would pull close to God and... And fast, maybe it's a hurt that you're going through. Maybe it's a circumstance that you're going through. Maybe it's a situation that you're going through in life. But, but you learn to take that burden and to God in prayer and to connect with Him. That's what Esther did. 
Esther, when she learned how the Jews were going to be treated, it was a burden for another people group. And she went and called everyone in to pray and fast. And so the question for you this morning is, is do you need to start a discipline of fasting? Is there a situation, circumstance going on in your life, a decision that you may need to make, an answer that you need from God? Is there a sin issue in your life? I mean, I know fasting is its one of those things of Scripture that is really for a mature audience. I understand that. But I can only tell you what it's done in my life and what it's done in my wife's life. To feel the presence of God and to be able to connect with Him. To get insight and get, get direction. Statistics say even Christians. Most major decisions that Christians make, they never ask God. Because they've moved to the point, I don't need God. Other than just to come to church and that type of deal. I would encourage you that if God would have you go into a fast, you'd just be obedient to that. And that you'd spend time with him.